we, uh, we've been talking about authority, and uh, I'll try and do a brief synopsis of last week's message, but last week we were talking about, uh, you know, God, even though He is all-powerful, okay, He is all-knowing, what does He define Himself? He says, I am light, I am love, see, and, and so often when we think about God, we think about Him in terms of His power and His ability, but what he defines himself primarily is love. See? And that ought to tell you something about what he has in terms of who we are as his children. What kind of inheritance has he given us? Because he has not given us an inheritance that lets, or how, how do I put that? In other words, God, when he gave us authority on this earth in the Garden of Eden, he said, let them have dominion. So now even though God gave a word, even though we didn't use it correctly, is God's word still true? It is still true. In fact, that's what Paul proves in one place. He says, let God be true and let every man be a liar. So even though maybe there, is never, maybe there isn't a single person on this planet that agrees with the word of God, is God's word still true? It is. See? And you can look throughout. You know, a perfect example of this is when Noah, there was, he was the only one that agreed with God's word. It was still true. It still is true. And I don't care how many sinners join hands together, his word is still true today. Amen. See? And so what the, the authority that we have been given when he said, let them have dominion, even though we did not keep the state that he gave us, it's still true that you have the dominion. See? And see, when Jesus came back, he paid that price and gave us the keys to the kingdom, the authority, however you want to put it. He said, I'm, and, and then in John chapter 14 through 17, he said, in the same way that I have been sent, I'm sending you. With the same love that he has for me, I'm loving you. With the same glory that he gave to me, while well, I'm giving it to you, okay? Everybody say, he's talking about me. See, he's talking about me. And we like to think, and this is the religious thinking, we like to think that, we like to put things on God that God has said they have dominion. See, And the real question is not whether or not God's word is true in my life or God's word is true in your life. That's not really the question. God's word is true. It is, are you walking in agreement with it? See, Because, because he said, let them have dominion. I believe there's coming a time where God is going to roll things back and he's going to take back and he's going to redo and revamp this planet. But until that time, do you notice when somebody passes on, they don't really have any authority here. If you, once you're dead, your authority is gone. See? You have to be living and present in this world to have authority as part of, and that's why we are called the body of Christ. Each and every one of you right now qualifies to be an authority presence for God here on this earth. Right now. See. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. It says in Proverbs that we should, um, above all things, we need to keep our heart with diligence. There is a a ceiling that each and every one of us we live under, okay? And that ceiling is determined by 
One, your relationship with God. The faith that you have in Him and the trust that you have in Him. And sometimes there are those times in your walk with Him where He calls you. What I mean by a ceiling, it's like a, a barrier that you've never quite taken a step out above that. Or like say, say you're a little child and you come up to the kiddie pool, you know. It's meant for kids, right? But there's a time eventually where you grow up and maybe you're like seven, eight, and you start to feel a little crowded in the kiddie pool, <laughs> right? You don't want to, you don't want to get in there anymore. You're kind of like, you know what? Most of the people I identify with now are in the shallow end of the big pool. Well, I'm not going to go over here to this kiddie pool. See, there is a a, ce- a growth ceiling. And every single one of us in our walk with Christ, we exist somewhere, and I don't know where it's at for you, God does. God knows where each and every one of you are at in your growth. Now, there have been times in my life where I thought I was, you know, I was ready to just jump out there in the ocean, and I was wrong. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to share those times with you this morning. (laughs) I don't have to today. Okay, but, but then there are times where we are comfortable. Everybody say comfortable. Comfortable in that kiddie pool, and God is trying to get us out of it. See, And I used to say, and it's still true, God will not ever just take you and throw you into the deep end. He will prepare you. But do you know God won't also leave you in that kiddie pool grown up and maybe you're 10, 15 Oh, God forbid you're an adult and you're in the kiddie pool of his spirit. Amen. See, because there is a growth process that should be occurring. And as you grow, he was beckoning you, or beckoning you out of those shallow places into deeper places. See, and, and there is a, when you walk with the Lord, it is as though you walk underneath the ceiling of, let me put it to, I believe that there is a degree, not a lot, but a degree of unbelief in, in us see and and part of that unbelief it's linked to a walk in the flesh the flesh does not inherently believe God's word see that's why we are called to walk by faith not by sight the flesh believes by sight only the best example of this in the old testament was when he was calling the Israelites up to to promised land and they came back with an evil report not necessarily a wrong report but they came back with an evil report saying we're grasshoppers in their sight we cannot do what he has called us to do because they were walking by their sight they were walking by their flesh they were walking by self-preservation and to the degree whatever degree that is that you are walking by that flesh and not by the truth of his word you are walking in unbelief See, the root of unbelief is the flesh. It is the flesh. That's part of the reason why we preach on fasting is to start to wean you away from the dependency of your flesh and walk in the spirit. Well, here, let's go to uh, everybody in. See, Luke chapter 6, verse 39. Jesus spake this parable unto them. Can the blind lean the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. 
And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thy thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree bringeth forth not corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart. Now, what what does your Bible say? Does it say heart? doesn't say mind, it says heart, see. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So the guy that was, let me say, you know, let me just say I'm, I'm going to pull Dennis here. I've noticed Dennis is uh, not forgiving. You know, he's not forgiving somebody. This isn't true. This is hypothetical, okay? He, and, and he's always bad-mouthing this person. Now, I can say this because I know Dennis never has done that. <laughs> In the two years he's been here, I've never heard him do that. Okay? So, but hypothetically, he's always bad-mouthing this person. Okay? And, and then, maybe I do it. Maybe I say something about so-and-so. Now, what if Dennis were to come to me and he said, you know, look, Brother, Brother Richard, you really shouldn't be talking nasty about so-and-so. See? That, see, now, See, now he talks nasty about one person. Then he comes and criticizes me for talking nasty about another person. See, that is an example of somebody that knows the truth with their mind but does not have it in their heart. So I can understand with my mind, I should not talk nasty about other people. So I come to you and I start, look at that speck in your eye. <laughs> but you got the beam in yours too, see. Maybe you got something worse. Somebody, and this is very easy to get in this trap, we have equated faith with knowledge, and they're not the same thing. We have equated trust and belief and adhering to God's word with being able to speak it, being able to say it, see? Just because you understand does not mean you believe. Just because you know it doesn't mean you're walking in it. See. Anybody ever met somebody that walk, or they, they talk amazing talk of faith, but you look at their life and it's in shambles. I, I can remember going when I was in college and this would happen all the time. They had heard so many messages on faith in Tulsa. Faith, faith, faith. They were always talking faith, 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 faith. But in their personal life, they had no control whatsoever, no self-control. They had no self-control in how they spent their money, how they spent their time, who they spent their time with. But they could speak the faith message. See, they understood, but they didn't live. They understood, but it didn't ever, it never took the root in their heart. See, <clears throat> See we would... <clears throat> We would have kids, I, I roomed with a guy that was, 
he was always talking faith. And I was the one that was always paying his bills. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd get kicked out too. Okay. The faith, faith will produce fruit. See, Not head knowledge, not head knowledge, but faith. Everybody say faith. See, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart will bring forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. See, and why do you call me? And then here, Jesus addresses this hypocrisy. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you don't do the things that I say. So there's a couple things he's saying here. He says, look, somebody that's got good treasure on the inside of them, they are going to produce good fruit and they're going to speak it, okay? But there is a possibility that somebody could say, Lord, Lord, and they could know and they could speak, but they don't actually live like that faith. They don't actually look like that faith, see? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things so that I say? All right, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. I'll tell you what the Holy Ghost is wanting to do. The Holy Ghost's primary mission for every believer, everybody with me? The Holy Ghost's primary mission for every believer is not necessarily to make sure they have a lot of money, to make sure that they have a nice car, it is not necessarily to make sure that they have a nice house. God cares about all of those things. But more important on God's to-do list is that out of the abundance of the heart, they're producing the good fruit. Because you can keep painting over an ugly pig <laughs> with, with makeup and keep giving the money and keep giving the car and keep giving the house. But if on the inside... There's still the pig. Eventually, it's going to fall apart. Am I right? See, the Holy Ghost is wanting to root out of us every single ounce of evil and unbelief that he can find. Every single thing that doesn't trust, every single thing that doesn't believe the truth, the Holy Ghost is going after that because that is the root that is stealing the fruit. See, that's the root. And so oftentimes when people, and God will deal with children in the kiddie pool for a while. Uh, you know, when somebody first gets born again and they don't know, <clears throat> let's say they live in poverty, not necessarily because of their situation, okay? There are situations where that's the case, okay? But they live in poverty because they don't know how to manage money. Let's, this is a hypothetical situation, all right? And they first get born again, and their first prayer is, God, I need help with my finances. Do you know God will meet their needs supernaturally? He will bail them out for a time. He will give them money. He will send people their way. He will give them extra hours. But there is going to come a day where he's going to call them out of that kiddie pool where everybody else is having to sustain them and make them accountable for what is their own. There is a drawing out and a growing up process. And it's that person, if they never choose to, <clears throat> let's say budget, they never choose to learn how to balance a checkbook, they are never going to grow anymore into the stewardship of, of finances that God has for them. See. 
A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. See. It starts with what's on the inside. It starts with what's on the inside. Let's go to let's go to Philippians chapter 4. I think one of the most unguarded things you know, we will guard our property, we will guard our money, we will insure our bodies, we will insure every asset we own, okay? But we are too easily to dispense with our heart. We too easily give it over to things and to thought patterns and to different forms of media that corrupt it and produce bad fruit. See? And, and we will take all this care to make sure that everything else is okay, but then we leave this, we leave this to rot. We leave it subject to whatever anybody else will tell us or whatever anybody else will show us. Or maybe we'll go to a movie with our friends and we'll, we'll watch it and it's an awful movie, but we'll sit there and take it in. See, Look here in Philippians chapter 4. Verse 8. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up to verse 6. Okay, Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, what is his instruction? Think on these things. A man that has good treasure in his heart is going to bring forth that which is good. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now I want to break this down a little bit. Paul's instruction for dealing with situations, the first verse, verse 6, be careful for nothing. Okay, What does care start out as? It does not start out as a, as a voice. It starts out as a thought. It starts out as a train of thought that you, you know, <clears throat> when you begin to worry about something, you begin to hope in the wrong direction. <laughs> you begin to hope for the worst. You begin to anticipate the worst. And instead of doing that, his admonition is, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So his, okay, instead of, I keep, I keep dealing with money, okay? I'm just going to do this again. Let's say your car breaks down and you have no money to fix it. Absolutely none. You got to be at work tomorrow. Your mind immediately goes, how am I going to get to work? They're going to fire me. Then I can't pay for my house. Down, you know, just follow that domino chain down. That is being careful. Whatever it is. Maybe it's a doctor's report, you know. Why are they running so many tests on me? <laughs> they're running a test for cancer. They're running a test for diabetes. They're running a test for this and for that and for low this and low that. It could be any one of those things. You have a whole lot you could worry about. 
Be careful for nothing, but in everything. Everybody say everything. everything. See, To the degree that it's not everything is to the degree that it's stealing from you. To the degree that it's not everything, it is stealing your thought life and it is stealing your faith. It is taking your heart down a direction that God is not there. It's not, he's not there. He does not live in your fears and your worries and your concerns. He lives in the truth. He anoints the truth. He's, when he speaks, it's truth. He only anoints it. It doesn't matter how many people join together and tell you it's something else. He only anoints the truth. And if, if God be with you, who cares if everybody else is against you, see? Be careful for nothing but in every single thing, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And if you do that, this is what will happen, okay? Everybody knows what it looks like if you don't do that. You, you end up a, a frazzled mess, okay? But this is what you'll look like if you do do that. The peace of God, which passes all of your understanding, shall keep your heart. Keep your heart. Keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, he gives this admonition along with that thought. He says, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Do you ever get in a conversation with somebody and you can tell immediately where their thought life is? Their thought life, okay? They may quote all the verses they want, but when they start talking to you, you know exactly where their thought life's at. Their thought life may be full of care, full of defeat, full of self-pity, see? If that is what is coming out of your heart, then your thoughts have been dwelling on the wrong thing for a long time. See, if that's what's coming out of your mouth, then what you dwell on needs to change. People think that they are this kind of unbiased computer that they can just kind of take in anything and it's not going to affect them. You know, like, you know, I could play that video game about killing people. It won't really affect me. I could do this and that. We don't have any youth in here today, but <laughs> that would minister to them. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's a movie about sexual immorality. How much sexual immorality do you need to watch before you start to consider it as an option? See, How many times do you need to keep meditating on that? Let me make it more benign. <laughs> How much news do you need to see before you actually know the news? <laughs> Do you really need to hear them rehash that 20 times? Worry about every scenario. Do you really need to? Because I can talk to Christians. The only relationship they have with God is about the news. You know, what God's doing in this and that and this and that in the news today. What about you and him? I can talk to Christians. The only relationship they have with God is about apocalypse and end times and who's the antichrist going to be they're always looking for the antichrist but they can't get the rid of the beams in their own heart See? amen whatsoever things are lovely everybody say lovely good report virtue praise see think on these things
Why do you think on these things? When you fill your heart with good treasure, that good treasure is going to come out. See, and this earth does not need a bunch of vessels filled with the same stuff they're filled with, speaking things, only speaking judgment about God. See, maybe you are a Christian, but is your heart full of who God wants you to be on this earth? Because you're not going to change this planet by telling every, how bad everything is. You're going to change this planet by being what he is here on this earth. Full of good, full of love, full of virtue, full of praise. Every single situation you, tuck, you touch, you ought to turn it around and send it a different direction. You ought to be able to take a situation that is utterly hopeless and by the time you're done talking to somebody, they're filled with hope that come from you. How come the world is infecting you and you're not infecting the world? See? How come? It's because we have been receiving from the same source. You cannot receive from the world and be like Christ. You have to be like Christ so that you can feed the world. You're going to be fed by Christ or you're going to be fed by the world. It's one or the other. There is no bubble that you get to live in. And if you want to digest the news 24-7, if you want to digest Hollywood 24-7, if you want to digest sitcoms 24-7, you are going to be full of the sitcom. You're going to be full of the Hollywood. You're going to be full of the fear of the news. Those things that you've both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and this is the guarantee. The God of peace will be with you if you do them. See. We have to be a people filled with the truth. With the truth. See. I always like to think about it this way. You know, you, Jesus. He, even now, the Christian culture, it is elitist and is an academic culture. That if you're going to be a minister of the gospel, you have to attain a certain amount of academia. You have to have a certain amount of historical knowledge. You have to have a certain amount of theological understanding. None of which in themselves are bad things. But they breed a self-reliance. And they don't breed God's will on this earth necessarily. See, How many theologians did Jesus disciple? Illiterate fishermen, see. And I always like to think, you know, I wonder what Jesus did. Because he'd go speak in those synagogues. But you know, he wasn't reading everything else maybe that they were reading. You know, he wasn't thinking along the same thought patterns of the, all the other rabbis. He didn't go sit down in their schools and learn from them, did, they, did he? Thank goodness Jesus didn't go learn from them. Elsewise, he'd be powerless like the rest of them. See, and see, we're, <clears throat> there's a certain amount of insecurity that you can have when you're trying to follow God and you get out there on your own and you're like, nobody else is doing this. And I'm here to tell you that's okay. It is okay not to look like everybody else. See, I'll get, I'll get together with my friends I used to have from high school. I have almost nothing in common. We can't have a hard we can't have a conversation because their mind is so engrossed in what's the latest new book and what's been going on in this and what's been going on in that. I have no clue. But I can tell you about the scriptures. See? And, and every once in a while, I'll get a reality check like that where I'm talking to somebody that I used to be on the same page with. And I think, am I okay? Because I feel like I'm kind of lost. Because like, <laughs> you talk to them and you're like, 
We don't share anything in interest anymore. You are more than okay. You are filling yourself to be a treasure on earth filled with his glory. See, because when you are filled with what he says and the truth of his word, it is what he needs to get things done here. See? Amen. It is so important and it starts with me. Everybody say it starts with me. It's so important that our heart be cultivated and kept in a place of the truth of the word of God. Um, we didn't do one this year really, but Natalie always likes to do a garden and, uh, I never, I'm always kind of 50-50 on whether or not I want to do a garden. Partly because I don't like to have to weed it. <laughs> and if you know me, I tend to be, and I've gotten a lot better, but I tend to be more on the perfectionistic side of things. So if I'm going to weed a garden, bless God, I'm going to weed it, or it's not going to be wet at all. It's just going to look like a terrible thing. I don't know how to f find that middle ground where I leave that one and I leave this one. <laughs> So usually what happens is it looks like a mess. Because I just won't mess with it. And I went out there and I was determined one year to go, I'm going to make sure these are all gone. We're not going to have any weeds. <laughs> and, and I was about ready to go do that. And I heard the Holy Spirit just as clear as I ever do. And he said, uh, he says, you know, there are more important things to keep weeded than just your garden. And he was talking about my heart. He says, more important than the garden in your backyard is the garden in your heart. Because if you will keep that, and if you will treasure that, that is really what produces the peace and the love and the joy. See, because when you were born again, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace. Those are fruit of who He's been made, or who He's made you to be. See, He made you in His image. See. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. I'm going to back up again. So I just want to touch this image because it's such a powerful image. Go to Romans chapter 4. Romans 4 verse 17. Yeah. And see here, what was the promise of God to Abraham? It was that he be a father of many nations. So he was going to have a son, which he had never had before. See? And here comes the word of God. Is it truth? It's truth. See? But there has to be a place. And this is when Jesus gave that parable of a sower sows the word. Wasn't there people that received the truth and it didn't bear anything? People that received the truth and it bore 30. Some bore 60. Some bore 100. See? If it's the truth, why isn't it just why doesn't it just make it true for everybody? It is true for everybody. The potential is there for everybody. See, But you have been given authority. You have dominion. God's word is truth and let every man be a liar. But if you are a liar, you will not reap the truth. You will not bear the truth. See, Verse 17, Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calls those things which be not, as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope. See? That he might be the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak, everybody say weak. 
you know, if I'm weak in faith, I want to know it. I don't want to keep walking along thinking I belong in the deep end and I'm really weak. Amen? The worst thing you could do is send somebody into a battle ill-equipped. The worst thing you could do I see this picture of I see this picture of the church. They are sending in children to fight against the enemy and they are confirming them, they are affirming them and they are telling them that they are okay and when they go in, they are sorely defeated because no one wants to say they're weak. No one wants to prod in and look at their heart and get in their business. And they keep sending these people in and the enemy wave after wave just keeps cutting them down because in their heart are things that have not been removed, have not been pruned off. Let's see. Could you imagine taking a, a 12-year-old, tell, you know, look how strong you are. Look how, you know, build them all up, tell them they're everything and then sending them into war thinking that they can defeat. You're sending them to their death. See, and the church, if we do not start addressing those things that are in our hearts, if we do not start admitting our weaknesses, if we do not start, you know, we keep looking for different avenues to succeed other than actually changing. <laughs> and you can't do it. You have to address those things. You have to grow up past those things. He was not weak in faith. See, now, he considered not his own body now dead. It's a different kind of strength. When your body's dead, it's a different kind of strength we're talking about. Okay? When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not. Everybody say staggered not. Stagger. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So how do you stagger in your walk with God? You don't believe what he said. Well, you... The pill that God gave Abraham to swallow was a pretty big pill. You're going to have a kid. You're still going to have a kid. I'm 100 years old. You're still going to have a kid. See? He didn't stagger at that. Now look at the process though. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. What does that look like? You're giving glory to God. I thank you, Father, that your word is true. I thank you that I've been made a father of a multitude. I thank you that you have made me the father of many nations. My very name means father of a multitude. See, so I thank you, Father. I praise you and I worship you. How insane does that look when you have no evidence of what's going on on the inside? Everything, everything is on the inside. But see, that's the thing. You have to fill your own heart with the truth of God's word. You call those things that be not as though they were. That's how God anoints the faith. By not staggering. If Abraham would have looked for other people to affirm him, if Abraham would have looked for, you know, what's possible with today's medicine, not possible. Every single door is closed. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. And every time we go over this, I'm going to stop at that word persuaded because persuaded does not mean flicking a switch. It means a process of going from, I don't, you know, when he had, <laughs> when he had Ishmael, that was unbelief. Everybody agree with me? Yeah. 
He says, well, maybe it's going to be this way in my own strength. I'll try this. Do you, ha- you have to go from a place of unbelief, of weakness, and take those steps into being fully persuaded. See? And out of the treasure of your heart, you bring forth that which is good. See? And we keep trying to walk by faith, but what's on the inside, we keep, every time we pull something out to, to, for God to anoint with faith, we find the world's wisdom, we find logic, we find reasonings, we find education. What he needs is the truth. The heart has to be filled with the truth. It can't be filled with, you know, it can't be filled with what you think is sound. It has to be filled with what he says is the truth. That's just not a good strategy. That's not reasonable. That's not, no one's ever done that. It's not the truth. The truth is what he told me. Amen. See, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith and became, I like to think of it that way, being, but he became fully persuaded that what had been promised, he was also able to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Amen. Let's go to one more verse and we'll be done. Let's go to Matthew chapter 17. Now, most of you know this scenario. This is the, I'll just read it for thoroughness, but but we're going to get to this verse 20 here. Start here in verse 14, Matthew 17, 14. And when there were come to him the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, sore vexed. Oftentimes he falls into the fire, into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing Nothing shall be impossible unto you. See, nothing shall be impossible unto you. The Holy Spirit if it's the truth, he's always going to anoint it. See? You can pray a prayer that you understand with your mind. And I'm sure the disciples did. I'm sure the disciples pulled out every prayer they knew. <laughs> you know? And you read some of the description there. This boy, he'd get thrown into the fire. He'd get thrown into the water. He was, it was a show. It was a show for your senses. You could watch this boy flail around, hurt himself, practically drown, practically burn. He was, he was nuts. Don't you think that kind of, I mean, if you had that here, who's going to come up here and get him healed? The first thing that comes across your mind is, that looks bad. <laughs> that looks bad. All of a sudden, you, you kind of relate to those Israelites and say, I'm a grasshopper in that guy's sight. I'm not going to go up there and pray for him. See, there has to come a place 
where the truth persuades you all the way into victory. There has to come a place where you take steps out of the kiddie pool, out of who you used to be and into who he said you are. And it is a process of him dredging out, dredging out everything that's unbelief, everything that's fear, everything that is based in sense and soul and putting into you everything that is the truth of his word, being led by the spirit, being led by faith. There is a point in which you start to walk into faith and you become fully persuaded that what he has said, he's able, able to perform. The disciples at this point were not there. But did they get to that point? Yes, they did. Maybe you are not there. My, my point is you can get there if you want to. You can get there if you want to. Maybe you're not there. And I, don't let the devil beat you up for not being able to swim in the deep end. Just make sure you are doing what God thinks you can do now. Eventually, you're going to be in the deep end. See? So, Jesus didn't mix words. He told him, he flat told him, you were weak. <laughs> Thank goodness. Why would you affirm a child to go send him into war? You wouldn't. He said, it's because of your unbelief. But he says, Here's some hope for you. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence. Nothing would be impossible to you. See? But he also gave them something they could do. Do You know, there's the truth, but look at this. How this kind goes not out by, by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting has something to do with taking you out of the flesh. And stepping you off into being persuaded that what God says is truth. I, I've done some fasting, not as much as I should, but I have done some. And let me tell you, it starts to wean you away from your own strength and it puts you into God's strength. Okay? <clears throat> Spend some time with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> if you're serious about this, see, where the rubber meets the road, do you... We really believe that this is something that we can receive. Then it will start to change your habits. It will start to change your habits. You're going to start taking, you're going to start to take an account of how much time am I really watching TV? How much time am I feeding my flesh? And how much time am I feeding my spirit? See, Because if you're really wanting to be fully persuaded... And give glory to God. You're going to start filling your heart intentionally, on purpose. And we have this kind of passive relationship with God that just kind of is like, whatever God wants is just going to happen to me. And it's this kind of overarching religion feel like God's will is going to happen. You know, God's got things. He's got it. Yeah, he's got it. But give him more to work with. Give him, give him more of your heart. Give him more of your mind. Give him more. Put truth in you because you're his hands and his feet on this earth. And if there's no truth in you, he's got to go look somewhere else. I want him to look here. I want him to come up to me and say, yeah, I can do that with him. See, I want to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. There's nothing he has to anoint but the truth. See, and you can have what you think is reasonable and what's intelligent and what's esteemed in this world. But if it's not the truth, 
God's not with you. Amen. I just want to put in this plug one more time. I think that it's a really good idea, if you're serious about this, to start to take an account of how much time you do in things. All right? If you were to take a sheet of paper and write down what you do every half hour or hour, you would start to see where your time goes. Okay? You know, I never used to know that with my money until I did it. Oh my goodness, I spent $300 at that restaurant this month? <laughs> $300? Anybody ever experienced that? Or like, holy cow, we need to plug up that leak in my finances. <laughs> you know? The same thing goes with your time. You, you spend how many hours in front of that box listening to other people talk about other people who don't know God? <laughs> how long are you doing that? We need to plug up that leak because that's not feeding the faith. See. There's, no, there's no change without change. And I think that he's wanting us to change. He's wanting to grow us up out of that kiddie pool. And the picture he gave his disciples when he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, didn't say the size. He said, as, as. You know, it's like the weeds we have out here. <laughs> In the summer, when it's humid and they just grow so fast, you, you, you cut them one day. You know the, the dandelions, you cut them, the next day they're up again. That's, that's the kind of faith I want to have. <laughs> that's the kind of faith that immediately, immediately what I'm believing, there's substance right there. I just cut you down. What you doing back up? You know? That's what Jesus is saying. He says, this mustard seed, those, those plants grow in a single growing season. They knew they just grow tremendously. You know? And, and you... Maybe you're in the kiddie pool right now. Here's, this is what Jesus was saying to them. He says, it's because of your unbelief. Yeah, you're weak, okay? So you can grow real rapidly though. See the, see the hope in that? See the instruction in that? It wasn't pacification. It wasn't glossing it over. It was like, oh, you're okay. You just keep going along your way and God will take care of it. No, you got a problem, but you can fix it. That's God. That's, that's what a father would do. See? And if, and if you submit to his training, yeah, he's going to tell you what you're doing wrong. But then you get to be whole. Then you get to walk free. And that's what you want, right? You don't want to remain. I don't want to be in the kiddie pool when I go to heaven. Amen. <laughs> He'll love you. That's not, that's not what this is about. Amen. All right. Well, Father, we're so grateful that you Thank you for your love and your joy and your peace that passes understanding. Father, I ask you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for him to tap on our shoulder every time. Okay, I'm just, I'm just being obedient, okay? So if you want him to be a voice in your ear for how you spend your time, just, just repeat this with me. We're going to pray this. Father God, I ask you, I ask your Holy Spirit to help me guard my time, guard my heart, guard my thoughts. Every time my thoughts dwell on something 
that is not the truth. I give you permission to tap me on the shoulder and correct me. I don't want to waste my time, my thoughts, and my heart on this world. I want them full of your truth. And I resubmit my life to your training and your teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. And he will. He will. Where the rubber meets the road, though, you know, you're going to hear him. Hey, let's turn that sitcom off. Let's read the Bible. We haven't done that this week. Let's read the Bible. <laughs> Nothing changes unless you actually turn it off. <laughs> All right? All right. How do you know that? I know that. <laughs> Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for this. I thank you for your correction. Thank you for your grace. I ask you for your grace and your strength to accompany each and every one of us as we go forward this week that we would be better stewards of everything you've given us. And Father, I thank you for your grace to accompany each and every one of us. Give legs to this message that it not remain just another message, another Sunday. Father, I thank you for making us more accountable than we have been. And I thank you for purposing, purposing us, repurposing our time in ways that we haven't seen. Give us your wisdom. And as we go about this week, we thank you for an increasing awareness that your Holy Spirit is always with us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.